Well, not Manchester United's best week, I suppose. There uh, has been worse. There have been yeah, worse. Yeah, yeah. Have we been knocked out of more than one cup competition and lost the league game in a week before? Uh, probably. I, I couldn't yes. tell you. I mean, we've had some devastating weeks. Big, yeah. big losses and cup yeah. losses and all of that yeah. kind of stuff. And then end of season stuff where it's like we've lost and now we're not going to win the league. Exactly. You know? So, you know, we haven't lost the league yet, although I think there's some fairly strong pointers <laughs> about which way that might be going. I've been th- I've been thinking this week, you know, often you'll hear a lot of talk at the, this part of a season where a team gets massively hyped. I was thinking about this in the context of Chelsea. This time last season... I think Tottenham and Liverpool were running away with the league. Right. um, You know, it's... it's And then Liverpool didn't win a game for six months or something. um, And Tottenham collapsed. It's... People draw a lot of conclusions very early in this season. People kind of written City off. Yes, they had done this time last year. Yeah, and we are only six league games into the season. Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe which I, like, I want to offer in mitigation for the next 45 minutes of uh, Ollie bashing that's coming. <laughs> um, not his finest week, not the club's finest week. Um, I, I don't really know where to start. Well, I, I guess I should start with a confession, which is that uh, the Carabao Cup game I watched um, incrementally. Um, Unbelievable. Not incrementally. Unbelievable. Yeah, Part-timer. I know, I, I get, some, yeah. of us, some of us got up at 4.30 in the morning not to watch that one to watch yesterday's yeah. game. So, Would you have got up at 4.30 in the morning for a Carabao game? If that was that, I mean, that is a loyalty test, isn't it? I, I probably would have. And, and you really, would have. <laughs> w- w- nothing to do with loyalty, really. I just, I don't like the idea of, I, I just can't, I haven't got, maybe, maybe it'll come to me at one point, but the idea of watching when it's already happened. Sure. I don't think I could keep myself dark for long enough to enjoy the experience of doing that. I need to watch it as it's happening. And and the option of hey, there's a Carabao Cup game. Maybe I just don't watch it. That that there's no chance. No, that that's not. No, 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 no. no. Yeah. no. I mean, there, there are United teams that I I dip in and out of. Like the the women's team, I do not watch every game. Yeah. I, I was thinking of watching watching today's game, Sunday's rather heavy defeat to Chelsea for the women's team yeah. and didn't get round to it. Other stuff was happening, kids, whatever. So yeah. um, that didn't happen. But the men's first team... Men's first team, I have to watch everything. Like, you know, there's almost nothing redeeming about the team, the people in it, the manager, the executives, the owner, the stadium, or the brand. Almost nothing, but I still have to watch the the team. It's deeply ingrained and, you know, yeah. So so what did we learn from... I, I heard Donny van der Beek was all right. He was in this all game. right. Actually, I'm I'm going to defend Donny. I thought he he did a lot of defensive stuff that was good, and he played in the way that you kind of expect Donny to play, and you know, which is actually quite a lot of progressive passing, but not in the way that Paul Pogba or, or um, the even more extreme Bruno Fernandes does. You know, they are he plays simple twenty. 20 yard balls 15 20 yard balls he's trying to make triangles he's trying to work through the lines uh, yeah he played in a pivot not in the not in at number 10 uh, Jesse Lingard was ahead of him and and you know it, it wasn't bad from him at all and he did the defensive piece which he can do we've seen that Ajax he can do I just I, I cannot work out even though he was okay where he fits into the 
the, the squad, the team. Well, he he just he doesn't. doesn't. Yeah. yeah, that's that is. I think I think we can. We absolutely can work it out, right? Because he never ever ever plays. I mean, he played in the Champions League against young boys. I think I think Ali does quite like him in the Champions League. We've seen that a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, he got he got a Carabao start because he got a Carabao start. It was eleven changes from Oli, ten from Dave Moyes. I think uh, Jared right. Jared Bowen was the only one who played from the the weekend before. I mean, it worked better for for West Ham for whatever reason. Uh, you know, United were like it was really obvious that many changes, that many players who are. Like in some cases, a bit underbaked, or haven't had that many minutes, or coming back from injury, like Alex Tellez, who was a total disaster, um, right. or, or long COVID. In the case of Henderson, you maybe could have done better with the the goal. Uh, like lots of mitigating factors, it was pretty obvious that it was going to be disjointed, you know. And there just wasn't very much from United as a result of that. I don't know what else there is to say, really. Like, Teles was a well, disaster. Dallo did okay. About... And Lindelof did okay, actually. And the rest of it. We've got to talk about Tony, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it was he like... was... I, like, love what he is in theory, but it's getting to yeah. the point where the theory is quite a small fraction of the whole, you know. And, you know, his whole time at United just doesn't look very good. And the no. mitigating circumstances, injury, Van Hal, Mourinho, you know, he's been f***ed over many times over. And every time we think it's going to happen for him, he gets something happens to him. Last year, injury, injuries um, were a problem and confidence. Be- yeah, before the injury, there was just the, because it looked like the season before last, it looked like, here we go. Um, and then last season it was like, oh, no, we don't. Cause... Yeah, well, look, and, and Solskjaer was prepared to let Lukaku go, who's, you know, obviously had a couple of very good seasons in Italy and come back to Chelsea in this mega deal and, you know, could well score enough goals that Chelsea become champions. We'll see. We'll talk about that on the backers content. But um, he was prepared to let him go on the theory that Rashford and Martial were both progressing and one or both yeah. would score the goals at number nine. Now, you know, it's worked out slightly different in that, Rashford, I think, has worked out for himself that he'd rather he gets more space in front of him playing off the left. Martial would like to be that number nine and he just doesn't have the consistency and it's just not good enough, you know? And it's just not enough. And and this was, frankly, like, you know, just so stratosphere, stratospherically bad, I was going to say. I mean, I don't yeah, know. Like, yeah. it was just huge how bad he was uh, just every touch every piece of confidence the running the movement that like sorry for the cliche and it really is about martial the body language didn't yeah. want to be there it's not enjoying it to the point where i was looking at him going what happened this summer was he expecting a move away was was mm. that what he was hoping for and somehow it's blocked because you know you're asking too much or what what happened so. yeah yeah because there's just you know, we talked about a place for Van der Beek in the squad, but there really isn't a place for Martial in the squad, really. I mean, he's back up to the backup at this point at number nine. Fourth I choice. Mean, there isn't, yeah, there, Maybe there's, no place for, there's no place for Edinson Cavani in the squad. You know, I mean, I don't mean we should have got rid of him, obviously, but I just mean Edinson Cavani is not a guaranteed starter at number nine in the current setup. Well, Martial's not getting a game, is he? And I mean, I want, especially once Rashford's back, that's... 
Yeah, and and Greenwood's been pretty electric this season. Ooh. I think. I mean, he was great against. Uh, oh, well, some of it was great against Aston Villa at the weekend. We'll go, we'll come to that. But, he, but I, I would say he was electric against Villa at the weekend. I think that's a perfectly good description. There was maybe just one or two where it was like, "Oh, pass it, pass it, Mace." Yes, there there were quite a few of those. <laughs> yeah, um, I do like the confidence though of. Completely oh, ignoring yeah. Cristiano, eight hundred goals, Ronaldo, <laughs> and shooting yourself. It's uh, it takes some brass balls to do that, I'd say. And, I, and I'm glad Mason's got it. Yeah, I mean, so yes, and you know, back to Martial. It, it the the order, pegging order, I think goes Ronaldo, Cavani, Greenwood, or maybe they swap round. I don't know. Rashford, Anthony Alanga, dot 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 dot. <laughs> You know, someone else, an under-13 player, and then Anthony Martial. There's a sort of personally interesting thing about Solskjaer, which is Solskjaer clearly has some degree of investment in Martial, some degree of belief in him. He's clearly seen the thing that many of us have seen, that there is a really, really, really good striker in this player. Um, But it's not. It's just not happening now. It's just and and at this point, how is it ever going to happen now? Like there just isn't. You know, two years ago when Lukaku went, you could say, okay, now is your time, and it was for a very short while, and then it just wasn't. So, I think I think the Martial Manchester United experiment is reaching its natural conclusion. Yeah. Okay. So that's one conclusion from that West Ham game. Uh, the other is that there's a player in Diego. Delo, Delot. Yeah. Um, Andreas Cantor, who's the uh, Spanish language um, uh, commentator on one of the channels here. I can't remember. ESPN, NBC, one of them. Anyway, he was doing the United game this weekend, which was kind of interesting, like watching a Premier League game with an accent on it. And, uh, you know, he's not bad. Um, I can't speak for his commentary in Spanish because, you know. My Spanish is, doesn't extend to further than... No, no, it's muy bien. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't extend much further than asking for some beers and directions. Um, but um, although I've tried over the years. You could you could say you could have a strawberry ice cream, please, in Spanish, right? Uh, probably, but I'm not going to do it right now because I, I have to, the mental gears have to go. I tried. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, he called him Delot. Long, long story right. to say. I, who knows? Spanish, Portuguese, different languages, funnily enough, you know, only partially mutually intelligible. Um, So uh, anyway, Diego, Diogo, Delot or Delo uh, was okay. Uh, so Diego Diogo Delot Delo. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a poem. It's the start of a John Cooper Clark poem. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a great haiku. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, Lindelof was good, I thought. He he did. Uh, look, we, we've talked about the, uh, the golden pairing of... Uh, Varane and, and Maguire I think of the two Maguire doesn't look that good does he <laughs> and maybe Lindelof should be the the partner um no no <laughs> listen let's not say things we can't take back <laughs> <laughs> we can take it all back always it's yeah, it's trash and we can just carry on next week and <laughs> pretend that it never happened uh the digital version of chip paper right uh, the audio yeah absolutely yeah even though we have an archive of 514 episodes, which you can all go and look at, if you so some people wish. Okay, some people occasionally will send a message being like, I was listening to this random episode from 2017. I, I mean, look, um, it's fairly common for some random episode from 10 years ago to get 10 listens a week for some reason. Yeah. No idea yeah. why. People put it on their playlist to sleep to. 
You are a strong, confident woman who does not need to smoke. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's for the sleeping listeners. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's the West Ham game. Oh, but I guess we should uh, draw the meta conclusion, which is it's very... I mean, as much as not being in the Carabao Cup isn't something you're going to lose much sleep over... Solskjaer is need silverware and isn't going to win one of the big ones, right? or, or yeah. probably isn't going to no, win a big, the big one. The chance of United, United only are not going to win the Premier League, and I'm happy to say that with some you know, large degree of confidence, and can only win the Champions League by playing very defensive football and playing on the break for sure, right? Hundred um, percent. There is no other plan than that, and maybe that will happen. But you know, judging by our opening game against Young Boys, seems rather off which leaves now leaves the FA Cup and he should yeah. be under pressure if he gets to a or be three and a half seasons by the end of the year and hasn't won any silverware the Glazers don't care mm. they really don't because uh, the business model will be predicated on Champions League quarterfinal or maybe not even that anymore and and you know Champions League qualification that's all that matters and uh, I imagine Maybe maybe this is speaking too soon, but in spite of a few bumps in the road so far this season, Champions League qualification is probably not going to be that significantly under threat. We will see, of course, that, that might be something that looks really silly in retrospect. But um, the uh, talking of Champions League qualification, you have to win league games to get there. And uh, we did not win. We did not win the the league game, the subsequent league game after that. It was a, a one nil defeat to Aston Villa, and honestly, it's not like I thought United would. T- it's particularly in the first half. I think United were pretty good first half of that game. There was plenty of decent half chances. It was you know you talked about having to get up at half four in the morning to watch it. Here, I turned on the telly ready to be spoiled rotten by a high quality image. And I was like, Romelu Lukaku doesn't play for us. That's Manchester City. Why is this game on the telly? And it turns out that United will not move to a 12.30 kickoff to accommodate the television schedules. Uh, uh, in its own way, a despicable reason to move a game. But because the Cortinas were playing a gig at Old Trafford Cricket Club and the police uh, asked. Uh, are we not bigger than them? Than the Cortinas? Apparently... Uh, not 19 forever, the two, the trajectory of the association between the two organisations that were associated that, not 19 forever, but maybe 20 forever, you know. Um, so, yeah, the the Cortinas could, made could move. Hayley, what's her name? Hayley McQueen, you know, Gordon McQueen's daughter, right. date, dating or was at some point dating the, the front man of said band. Right. Could she right. not pull some strings? Maybe so, but maybe she did pull some strings in the other direction and that's what... That's what disgusting. Happened. Anyway, well, uh, the the one benefit of being um, this side of the pond is that there's there's you can full, watch the football full access to football. So, I mean, it's, uh, I was chatting to to a friend of mine here uh, about just how much football it used to be really hard to get hold of football, and you know, fifteen years ago, difficult, and now every single Premier League game is on every single Bundesliga, La Liga, so. Can get the Premier League, La Liga, Bundesliga. Don't think League Un, League Mexico, MLS. I'm sure I saw one the other day. I was really surprised at. Oh, well, the uh, 
obviously the women's football's all shown North American women's soccer league, whatever it is. There was another league there. Oh, Dutch league, Dutch league. They show all the live games here, all the international football. It's insane. And it's not just like European international football. It's all the random CONCACAF. So Haiti versus Cuba or something will be shown live. Well, I imagine that Haiti versus Cuba, the US is probably the third biggest um, base of interest yeah. for that particular fixture. Well, I, I saw another thing, and we're going really random off off piece here, but uh, apparently well, more just people to... here in the US watch the US men's national team in Spanish language than in English. Right. So right. maybe it shows where the growth is coming from, I guess, certain populations. Yeah, the uh, I mean, there's perfectly reasonable to go on off on a tangent between a loss in the Carabao to West Ham and a loss in the league to Aston Villa. Like, we just got to pad out the content before we go ollie out at the end of the show. Um, that, that just want to make it absolutely <laughs> clear because occasionally you say things on this show and people take it much more seriously than it was intended. That was not intended particularly seriously. Um, yeah, well, it wasn't on telly in the UK, so I was fighting a stream the whole game, so I have a very disjointed sense of this game. But it looked to me like we were pretty good in the first half, but it might just have been that my stream ran clearly in the first half. And yeah, was bad in it the depends second. what you mean by pretty good, because I, I always think, you know, there's there's more than one way to skin a cat, more than one way to win a game. And, and Mar- this is going to sound very Mourinho-esque. There's more than one way to have control of a game. And I thought Aston Villa were in control, right, of their own game. Now, United had a lot of possession. Uh, you can look at the stats and uh, there are certain people on Twitter who have a, a reputation for um, being unmitigatingly rosy about Manchester United. Who I know might, who you're talking about. <laughs> might have noticed some of these stats that United had 28 shots, but honestly, it might, have, it might as well have been two Be- because they're all like, like, like average that out. United's XG to that many shots was 0.07. Right, 7% chance with each each of those shots. Now, you add them all up and it looks like 2xG, but honestly, it's just that's just pointless stats. There were so few good chances for United. You know, biggest one by Miles was a penalty, and then there was one where Mason cut inside for the 400th time and shot when he probably should have passed. But apart from that, like, you know, poor quality chances United created because Aston Villa were in control defensively a lot of this time. Yeah, I mean, there was just the odd time when the, that sort of slipped and there were some really good counter-attacks, basically. Basically, I'm talking about counter-attacks. There was a number of times where, you know, like, I thought Mason Greenwood was going to score a goal or I thought he was going to pass to Bruno Fernandes. I mean, you mentioned the one where he ignored Ronaldo late in the game. The one where he ignored Bruno and went... I mean, I have to say, if I was Mason Greenwood, I would assume I was going to score as well. And I think um, his quality would say it's OK for him to shoot there. It's fine. It's just we would definitely have been one nil up if he passed yes. <laughs> in. That's although Bruno might have blasted it over the bar too soon. Too soon. No. Um, the uh, you know you're talking about the XG right and and uh, fans of the Tifo podcast. I know with many listeners in common um, will have heard Alex Stewart say many times single game XG is not. It's not a meaningful data point. The sure. XG in in a single game is not a really and and. It's absolutely true. Obviously, it's an interesting discussion point sometimes, and sometimes it uh, makes. I, I I think what the interesting thing is is the specific xG of individual chances is interesting. And if you look at the map, you, you look at overall the numbers is one and a half ish each. Never take the penalty out. One and a half ish each, and um, but Villas is just from three big circles, 
and you'd rather have the three big circles. I know you can tell me that over the course of a season, you'll score about the same number of goals from those three big circles as you will from the 25 tiny micro dots. Um, but I know which one I'd rather have in a game. I know uh, which one you'd rather have when it comes to micro dots. <laughs> By the way, I think Alex Stewart's done great from being England opener to podcast hero as well. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He's Um, never heard that joke ever, has he? No, no. Definitely not think about it. All 12 of our listeners who are old and like cricket are like, ha good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's most of our listeners. If they hear the name Alex Stewart, do not think of the do not think of the wicketkeeper or opening batsman dilemma. Like they think of the raccoon obsessed podcaster um, and uh, Southampton fan. Anyway, friend of the show he was on the show once we did. We had him on for a Southampton preview a, a long time ago. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh so there was the chance where Mason didn't pass to Bruno. Uh, there was a bunch of big chances for Villa, most of which appeared to be handed to them on a benign silver platter. The most inappropriate goalkeeper yelling at a defender for a back pass I've ever seen when Maguire paid a perfectly reasonable, maybe maybe slightly overpaced back pass to De Gea under no pressure whatsoever. And De Gea felt compelled to do the save he did against Ronaldo in the, in the Bernabeu in 2012 that you know the kung fu kick say yeah i mean why did he do that i i think um i mean firstly it it is a bit over hit from Maguire, and and the hair said afterwards he wanted it on his right foot but i think it's safety first from Maguire to play it onto the left because you wouldn't normally go across the goalkeeper because a missed kick is a goal all right so i think Maguire's done the right thing it's just dave's swinger is a real swinger isn't it so great but it's the first huge it. mistake no he's made this season as well because yeah. he's he's been good. I mean, there's a there was an yeah. interesting piece um, in our uh, former friends, the Athletics uh, feed. <laughs> no, I just, no, I'm kidding, kidding. <laughs> Before someone sues us or complains, no no beef there. But uh, he uh, an interesting piece about how Davis tried to reinvent himself and came back early, and you know, and and great if that's true. Great that's true. One of the Red Tops had a, a piece that Henderson is now unhappy and wants out. Uh, but he's got to prove himself. Henderson has. And I think yeah. he was probably... I, I don't know if it's, you call it a mistake for the West Ham goal against the Carabao, in the Carabao Cup. But, you know, maybe maybe a better goalkeeper would have got there. So who knows? Yeah. and yeah, Dean Henderson has not done anything so far to make it clear that he should be Manchester United's first team goalkeeper for the next five years. Like there's no, there's nothing that has happened so far that says that. Um, De Gea has, as you have said many times, a long line of credit in the bank. But it was just, it was a moment where there was, a, there was no need to panic, and there was panic set in, which sort of speaks to the kind of broader thing of United played this game defensively in a sort of panicky way the whole time, which I think is is to do with the structural. Concern. So one thing that I thought was vaguely interesting about this game is I think the most appropriate way to describe the formation would be 4 Because you could say it's a 4-2-3-1 on paper um, with Pogba on the left and Greenwood on the right. But really, you've got the, the four defenders, McTominay and Fred, uh, Pogba and Fernandez, Ronaldo and Greenwood playing as two centre-forwards, essentially. Yes. Does that, yes. Does that seem fair? No, no, I think that's about right. Or two, or if you look at the average position... 2-4, yeah, with Shaw and Wambazaka actually pretty yeah. pushed up. 
2-2. Yeah, because Greenwood tucks inside and so does so does Pogba. Yeah, which which really damaged United when Shaw had to go off because that's that is the attacking outlet. What yeah, the of the two fullbacks, and this is boring. Obviously, Shaw is much more attacking and much more productive. Just much, much. He's in for fullbacks. He's in the ninetieth odd percentile of many of the key data categories. This is of other fullbacks in the top five Euro leagues. And Wembezaka's down in like you know single digits in some cases. I mean, mm. for attacking stats, he's he just in the two and a bit years he's been at the club. He's he's not been able to progress that part. Although, like if you just look at assists, which um, I don't think you should. But, you know, it's a nice headline stat. He did okay last season, Wan-Bissaka. But I think all the other underlying stuff is not good. The most worrying thing about Wan-Bissaka, because you could say, like, we know what we're getting and and he is a warm body in attacking capacity and, and his movement's perfectly good. You know, he, he opens up good passing lanes and stuff up front. So he, he serves some function. The, the worrying thing for me is defensively, there were two... Times in this game, um, was it the Watkins chance? A big, big chance where he fell and fell over. That chance, was Ramsey, just... I think that was. Okay, um, so it might not have been that one. There was the one. Oh yeah, there was the one at the back post. Um, yes, that, which was that. That was the the left back, I guess, the Villa left back. Map target. Yeah, that's it. Um, and he had a big chance to hit the target because Wan-Bissaka didn't know he was there, maybe, or just was completely condensed in to a kind of right centre-back zone with the, the place stretched across to the left. And there's just amazing amounts of space on his right. And uh, Target just had an open shot at goal. And, I mean, Wan-Bissaka threw himself at it, which I think put Target slightly off, but it was, it was pretty rough positionally. And I think there were two of those in the game. Yes, I mean, yeah, for sure, worrying. And, th- and then the knock-on effect of Shaw going off, of course, was that United were even more predictable from full-back areas. So, you know, Delo or Delot came on. <laughs> I'm not going to keep making that joke. Dio- Diogo. Diogo uh, came on. And, of course, he just wants to tuck inside all the time, which is totally understandable, not that comfortable on his left foot. And, and I think he put one cross in with his left that hit the first man. And most of the time he was tucking inside. So everything from United became narrow, which is, of course, quite easy to defend against, I think. And and so, you know, you get this shot map from United that looks like there's a lot of chances and there's a lot of possession, but they're all rubbish. There's just nothing of any quality created. And, and in that situation, you just opened up for one chance or a set piece or something like that. And, and you know, that's, that's um, how the Villa goal came about in the end. Um, but basically, I thought United were rubbish. So, you know, the individual stats for individual United attacking players look good because it looks like they've created lots of chances and they've had a lot of the ball in the final third. Uh, I just don't think it's good quality stuff. And a lot of that, it's not the only reason. It's one of a few points of failure within United at the moment is McFred in midfield. They are both in the bottom quartile against their peers for progression of the ball or uh, what do they call it in um in the athletic uh expected threat right possession mm-hmm. leading to something like xg chain and it's you know it's not going to change 
that's what you get with them. What, yeah, I don't think Fred had a bad game defensively. He was all over the place making interceptions and pressures, and he always does. But he, he but, didn't have a bad. He didn't have a bad game defensively, but he did do something really funny where he got the ball, lost his balance, nearly fell over. Gained his balance back, beat a man really impressively, and then passed the ball out for a throw. Yes, that was great. That moment, that was great. <laughs> really good. Very Fred. No, not Fred. not quite Maran Fellaini dribbling it forty yards out of play, but yeah, pretty good. <laughs> no, every now and again, you forget that that happened, and this is amusing and good to be reminded of it. And um, the goal that we conceded, I, I every time Villa got a corner, I was worried. I have to say. Um, this was the I think we've conceded this exact goal I think they might have shown that on match of the day I was fast forwarding through it but I'm pretty sure we've conceded this exact goal before uh, centre back peels off from the near post and flicks, right. flicks the ball Cavani I mean I, I saw him get some criticism for it maybe if it was a player I liked less I would join in the criticism but what, really what's he going to do I mean he kind of breaks with him stupid Jonathan Pierce on match of the day was like put a full back on the post in his kind of super sillious way um, but you know alright like, it probably would have gone over a fullback's head anyway you know? might have done I mean look, of course the thing to really talk about with that one is is quite obviously that's offside um, yeah of course I mean, yeah well that's what Solskjaer talked about yeah I mean standing on the keeper in an offside position I mean, it's it's like truly like I know we can complain and sound red tinted about it and social complain about it, but it was obvious and VAR really should have been checking that. Yeah. Well, I, I, VAR probably did check it and decided, yeah, it's probably fine. Now, what's utterly maddening about this is last weekend this exact thing happened twice to Leicester, and in one of those Leicester goals, it was definitely less like less in the way than than he was in this game you know he was yeah he, i mean he was in De Gea couldn't have moved forward if he wanted no. to you know I, I think this would have been ruled out as offside in any era of offside except for yeah. this one when they've all got confused about which phase of play they i mean it's unbelievable anyway yeah it, it doesn't take away from how bad united are um <laughs> but it 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 would have been a point and well it's one of two ways it could have been a point of course Yes. Um, so you said uh, you said against West Ham, um, United need to get someone shot to get a penalty at the moment. Wow. And of course the- <laughs> yeah, because like yanking Lingard down in the most obvious way apparently isn't enough anymore, even though it would have been uh, a, a free kick and a yellow card anywhere else on the field, for sure. And um, West Ham probably should have given away a couple of penalties the weekend before that and we yeah. probably should have we probably should have given away a penalty which we didn't even talk about on the show last the, week the Wembezaka challenge yeah potentially yeah, yeah. so uh, there's something going on and it's a problem with the penalties uh, the one way you can get a penalty though is uh, just hold the arm or the, the defender out at the place where a defender's arms would be anyway because that's how humans stand when they're making themselves ready they don't stand with their arms down by their side or behind their back because that's not a very good way to balance in the middle of an athletic endeavour um, oh, you, have, you have to now you have to you have to put your arms behind your back and sit your cock out to try and block the ball don't you it's unnecessary is that on the PG, PGMOL okay sorry it's my turn for a tangent did you read the thing in the athletic about Mark Clattenburg and the PGMOL oh, just uh, great 
<laughs> great I, stuff. That is great content. <laughs> you know what? It's it would be good content anyway, but it's also this beautiful, beautiful aspect of confirmation bias because the one he really goes after is Martin Atkinson. I'm like, yes, yes, Mark Clanberg, I am. I I will come into battle with you on, on, under this banner of Martin Atkinson's Arongan. <laughs> Um, uh, it's fantastic yeah, um, stuff. I mean, I, I don't think I'm going to stretch the buying and taking the time to read his book, but the, I'm tempted. I'm really you are tempted. tempted. I, Not straight I, away, but I, when I it's like hope, really cheap. You know what? Look, if if they put an audio book version out and he's narrating it, I might do it. And really, they should get a few actors to come in and play the other parts. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, you can you um, can imagine this as a play, can't you? You know, Clattenburg. Broadway, West End. <laughs> That's a pretty good idea. Just Clattenburg exclamation mark. Get, get your dad on it. He he knows how yeah, to make yeah, it happen. Let's, we'll let's we'll have it at the, the National Film Theatre before to, before I, long. I, I mean, you say he knows how to make it happen. Last twenty years of his career would suggest there's been some issues in that regard. But anyway, that's a, that's a whole other podcast. Throw it throwing um, shade. Did your dad listen to the pod? No, very much not. Um, uh, no, if it was about Shakespeare, he would listen to it every week. But yeah, well, um, you know, the the drama is somewhat Shakespearean sometimes. Tragic comedy, I'd say, in recent weeks. It, imagine after twelve years, my dad decides, oh, do you know what? I really should listen to my son's podcast, and he listens to this episode, <laughs> and here's this conference. I love you, Dad. You're amazing. Um, anyway, that's just in case that's covered. Um, <laughs> the uh, the that was definitely a penalty under the contemporary ridiculous laws of or guidance or whatever of the game you can't say it isn't dean smith said what's he supposed to do with his arm and you could say exactly the same thing about luke go, go rewrite re- re- law 12 and the yeah. Premier league's interpretation of it that's the only thing yeah. you could do but yeah yeah uh, but then, then there was all sorts of business about the thing. So there's lots of chat that Emmy Martinez was by the by the it's great. shouting at Ronaldo. Let him take it. Let him take it. Apparently, yeah. I mean, if he if he was, it's well. I mean, it's pretty unsporting, which Solskjaer complain about it. But it is some it's world class shithousery, it. isn't it? It's like yeah. pointing at Ronaldo, saying he should take it. I mean, <laughs> if that's true, he's got right inside Bruno's head, hasn't he? I, I have to say. We have seen Bruno take a lot of penalties and there's a little bit of aftertiming in this because I definitely felt it at the time, but it was really intense watching it on the rewatch. The way Bruno is holding on to the ball is like, don't nobody is allowed to take this off me. There's a defensive quality to the way he has his hands on the ball that's yes. like... That you know, I, I absolutely could be reading between the lines here, and it, that I, might I mean, be. I think you are, but I mean, like, why wouldn't there be? Yeah, this big name from his country that everyone says he can't play with is, yeah. you know, is the real hero of the Portuguese nation has come along. Normally, takes the penalties. You know, whether it's been said or discussed, I'm sure it's been discussed. Who yeah. Bruno's still on them. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I'm sure it's it's already back there. And Emmy Martinez, whether he's deeply thought about it or it's just instinctively, has pointed it out. Talking of over reading into body language, Ronaldo was standing where he would have been standing if he was going to take the run up for that penalty the entire time all that was going on. There was just bad 
vibes about that penalty. It was pure bad vibes. And uh, there was a lovely graphic going around on Twitter, which is obviously fake, but one of those penalty maps of Bruno's penalties. And, you know, green first scored, red for missed, missed one, I think it is. Uh, yeah. yeah, all hitting the target in one. Absolutely miles over. It was done for exaggerated effect. But, I mean, There's, it was a long way over. There is a really funny... I mean, this is, you know, awful for Bruno, etc. But there was a really funny camera angle from a camera phone behind, behind the thing, which you kind of wonder... Like, obviously, these things have been live-streamed, presumably, and people have clipped that up. Because if you've recorded that and you're a United fan and you've then put it on the internet, that is... That is bad form um but just the ball just comes straight, straight over this camp <laughs> anyway uh sad for bruno and and the fans finally sang his name after that managed to stop singing a ronaldo song for long enough to uh to acknowledge bruno fernandez's existence again Yes, and, and I think Solskjaer confirmed that Bruno will be taking them in future. And Bruno said, I will take them without fear in the future. And I'm sure he will, but there's, it's happening. I mean, for sure, the next penalty United get, which might be in a couple of decades' time, given the new... <laughs> the, the Bruno rule, as I like to call it, because it was... Yeah. It's 100% about stopping the kind of penalties that United were getting. Uh, yeah, might be some time, uh, but it will be there. And whoever it's against will be pointing it out. Although I do hope the next one we get, I don't know about the calendar, it would be kind of nice if it was at the cop end, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, I'll take at home against Everton because that's the next game. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, like, you know, it was, it was, it was really unfortunate for Fernandez. Um, I don't know. I said bad vibes around that penalty earlier. There was just bad vibes around this game a little bit as well. It just felt like it just didn't feel like we were getting anything from it. And when we got a penalty, it was almost like, I don't know, it felt like really surprising that we were going to snatch a draw out of this game. And when we didn't, it felt like, yep, that's, that's more of an accurate reflection of the overall feeling of this game. I suspect if you were there... It wouldn't feel like that at all because there were a lot of kind of gung-ho counter-attacks which are about sure. are the most exciting thing you can see as a fan. There was the one in the second half where Greenwood ran the length of the pitch yep. and ignored Ronaldo. Um, and so there was there were moments of united vibes and I don't... I, I don't know. What what do you think this means for where we're at under Solskjaer in the macro sense? Yeah, yeah. Not an original thought, but, you know, good vibes FC versus actual competence here, isn't it? Uh, I, look, it's three defeats in four, three and seven over the season. Um, that's not good. Out of a cup, first defeat in the league, cataclysmic defeat potentially in the Champions League. You know, this this you can... It's possible, and some people do, spin a positive story about this, but zoom out a little bit and the number of important losses, the lack of progression with the new signings, the the, the fact that good vibes plus you know a few players developing is not enough. Yeah, yeah like I think that's the problem, right? He's He's done a good job, cleared out, the players he didn't want has brought some players along uh, has him or the club have managed to pull themselves together and get some good acquisitions you know at least a couple this summer and and the squad has evolved and is he leveling up with them you know because i'm not sure that's true and i think it'd be quite easy and and rational to come to the conclusion that 
United are a different development stage now than when he joined. And he's not shown very much proof that he is at that extra level. Um, one thing you said that, that made me think of something I meant to say, uh, Jaden Sancho played, started in that game against... Uh, he's Jaden Sancho is having a very rough start to his United career. That's- yeah, and I, look, I think um, I wonder in retrospect whether, whether it would would have been better to just, you know, not, not start him too often and give him 15, 20 minutes and slowly ramp him up because he's basically having his pre-season right now. Mm. You know, didn't ha- he had one game. Yeah, after coming back, new country, all of that, young person, new player. He may have lived in Manchester before, but, you know, it's a big change and all that. So I'm not so worried. Honestly, his numbers are magnificent for the last three years. He, he's a and he's a very high quality player. It will work for him eventually, but it's a rough start. He needs he needs a, he needs something. He needs a goal and assist. He needs a spark. I'd say. Um, I just had a look for Maguire and Shaw just to see what the news was about the injuries because obviously, yeah, you know, we lost and also two players who we've seen that their absence has a significant bearing. Even if Maguire's reputation probably grows when he doesn't play, I don't mean that disparagingly. It's like it shows what he does when he's not there quite a lot. I think. Sure. Um, yes. And when he is there, it shows what he can't do. Um, but uh, there's, a, there's a Manchester United headline that just says, Ali Gunnar Solskjaer, Man United manager update on Luke Shaw and Harry Maguire injuries. So you quick click on it, scroll down, and it says, sorry, I can't give you any updates, the boss told reporters at his post-match press conference. How <laughs> oh, magnificent. Cheers, <laughs> cheers, Man United. I believe they call that clickbait in the trade. <laughs> Was that the official Manchester United Yeah, 100%. App? Yeah, wow. that's, that's a Manchester United news story. MEN did exactly the same thing as well, but let me just see the tagline. Oh, no, no, it's not someone different. <laughs> well, it's, um, it's, uh, it's the news thing, isn't it? It's it's either Solskjaer gives update or Solskjaer fails to give update on XYZ players. So, yeah. Um, he's, uh, he's Solskjaer said they don't look okay for Wednesday, but let's see. Um, so hopefully those are not long-term injuries. Wednesday that- is going to be a tough one, and it's 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 like hundred percent, very very tough. I don't know whether you want you want, anything more to say before we move on to Wednesday and next weekend. Anything more to say about Villa and this past week? No, it's just a super disappointing week, like super disappointing, and um, and you hope that the the team bounce back from it. I don't think any of us are surprised. You know what this game made me think of? Like I was kind of half joking after the Southampton game when we drew with them before we signed Ronaldo, or just at, when that was all happening. I was like, I'll tell you what, this game is not leaving me thinking. Well, this team, you just put Ronaldo in this team and it's going to be fine. And this was very much a kind of like, well, Ronaldo's going to score tons and tons of goals, but he can't magically do everything all on his own um, because there's a gaping hole in midfield. And that's, you know, I mean, we we just simply have to point it out, even though everyone listening to this has heard us point it out before and also knows it anyway without anybody pointing it out because it's the most blindingly obvious thing in the known universe that McFred is not the one. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's about all I've got to say about those two games. All righty. So on to, on to the, the games coming up. We've got Villarreal in the Champions League and then Everton next weekend. 
So you know how like Crystal Palace and Brighton is a derby in inverted commas? Yes. And I always kind of thought that was because there is a sort of, they're not that geographically far apart. You but know, there's Palace nothing between them, basically, London. yeah. And, and it's nothing to do with geography at all. It's all to do with these like specific two games in the 70s, right? That it then all grew out of and it's lasted ever since then. And it's fine. It's fair enough. I'm not making fun of that derby. Have a derby with whoever you want. United's. Lots of people think they've got a derby with Stoke City. Think they've got a derby with United. Anyway, um, Man United Villarreal in twenty years is going to be like Palace Brighton is now. <laughs> it's going to be this super heated rivalry for reasons no one can quite remember. Because I feel like I'm absolutely sick of the sight of them. Yes, I'm getting pretty sick of the sight of them. Uh, I think we may be even more sick of the sight of them after Wednesday. Um, I have to say, I mean, it may be uh, it may be recency bias, but I'm not I'm not feeling particularly confident about this one. I mean, obviously they gave us um, a really tough game in the Europa League final, uh, not all that long ago, um, and gave David de Gea a rather tough game, uh, and. Uh, and they are they're probably stronger now than than they were. I mean, they they didn't make a lot of acquisitions in the summer, but um, they brought in uh, uh, Danjuma Groenevelt, who's a Dutch Nigerian winger who played in yesterday's draw against Real Madrid. Uh, apparently, they played pretty well in that one. Didn't see it, but um, so reports say. So you know, they're a, a very competent side with a lot of very good players who will at Old Trafford, do the Villarreal thing and defend very well and have lots of dangerous players that can catch United out. Especially if we're in a situation where we don't really have a left-back. Maybe Delo plays there, maybe Alex Tellez does, um, because sure, looked like a muscle industry. uh, industry? Uh, Injury, can't imagine he's going to be ready. And uh, maybe Harry Maguire's out and Victor Lindelof is in and, you know, he's he's still an accident waiting to happen even if he looked okay in last week midweek's game. So, you know, there's lots of reasons to not feel very confident about this one. Yeah, so Villarreal are having a, a weird season. They're sixth, they're 11th in La Liga. Um, they've played uh, one fewer game than a couple of teams who are just above them. Um, but they've only won one, but they're undefeated. They've had five draws in the league, which is... Um, a surprise, you know, un- an unusual set of the results. But, um, and some of those draws, like home against Granada, nil-nil, even away to Espanyol, away to Mallorca, nil-nil-nil-nil. They're, they're clearly struggling slightly to score goals. But they also drew two all with Atletico Madrid and drew nil-nil with Real. Um, so, and smash four past Elche, although whether that is a meaningful uh, four goals, it remains to be seen. Elche currently... Uh, 15th uh, having conceded oh well, mind you they've only conceded eight goals so half of the goals they conceded were against Villarreal to be fair um, but yeah so then it's not like they are flying at the moment but also you take confidence from not losing games of football don't you and they um, they got that two-all draw against Atalanta yep in, in the first in round in the opening match day which is apparently a very good game uh, Gerard Moreno didn't play against Real Madrid so only played three times this season I'm not sure if he's fit that might well be part of their goal scoring problem Pablo Alacazar is, is playing up front former Borussia Dortmund player you know so that that may be the maybe the challenge um, but hey they scored against us from what about their only chance uh, in the Europa League final from a set piece 
uh, you know, they're going to be hard to break down. I think I think it's very easy to spot the pattern here of how it's going to happen, and mm. it doesn't feel good because that kind of game against that kind of opponent at Old Trafford has been, you know, a massive Achilles heel for the last year or more. Early goal, that's the thing. An early goal changes this game massively on its head. I think if United can score early, that's that's totally changed the dynamic of this game. I mean, they drew nil-nil with uh, Real, who had a lot more shots than them in that game. It was like 16-6 to six or something. But they had more possession than them, made more passes than them. We know style of play-wise they are going to do the thing that United do find difficult when they are... I think United might find it slightly difficult to get the ball off Villarreal. Um, and I imagine Villarreal will be fairly compact and reserved in terms of uh, leaving space for counter-attacks, which are still our best route to goal. Um, if we can get one early, Pogba Screamer goes in or something like that, then then this game changes its dynamic completely. Yeah. But without that... They effectively played three defensive midfielders against Real at the weekend. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't be a surprise to see the same setup in midfield. Uh, yeah, and that that is not going to leave space and United will play in front of them a lot, which uh, which is not... It's not good for us, even if we have Bruno there trying to take risks. I wonder whether you want someone who runs at people. So playing Pogba off the left and Greenwood off the right might all be a bit central. Maybe this is an opportunity for for Sancho to, to break up that kind of team, even if he's not had the best start for United, or maybe, maybe he comes off the bench. It's just, you know, we know. Um, sorry, Carl Anker, friend of the show. Solskjaer doesn't like doing substitutions, much like our England manager. <laughs> so maybe the only comparison, but uh, he just doesn't. He doesn't make proactive substitutions to change a game ever. Yep. Uh, Cavani came on to try and change the game uh, against He did. He did. Villa. Good to have um, him back. Yeah, really good to have him back. And I wonder, but I wonder how he's going to use him because if he's not making 60 minute subs if he's bringing Cavani on with 80 minutes gone that's really stupid you know you bring Cavani on with 60 minutes gone and you know so imagine you bring Cavani and Sancho on it's not going well you bring Cavani and Sancho on you present a whole different series of problems to Villarreal that that there's a way in which that's more than enough to get the job done you know it's this it's we've just seen United be very very average for a good few games in a row even that West Ham game which we won, we were, you know, went behind and also they had a penalty in the last minute that could have equalised. So it would have meant no wins in the last four. Um, having, with all that said, there is, it's not like it's all doom and gloom because there is so much attacking threat and that that hasn't changed in the fact that we've lost four games and three games in the last four, has it? No. No, and, and look, this team shouldn't have gone backwards. It should have gone forwards. Other teams may have gone forwards more. Um, so, you know, it, a, apart from the, the three games in four and the panic that ensues and the meltdown that, you know, we're obviously going to get on Twitter as a result of that, um, this is still a United's team that should have plenty of goals in it. You know, second highest top scorers in the, the Premier League last season should have plenty of goals and lots of creativity and should be able to. Um, break these teams down and that was you know a lot of the point about bringing in Jadon Sancho because he has got that ability to to beat a man and to change the dynamic and to balance out the attack when playing from the right you know I, I do worry that depending on how 
Solskjaer selects the team. I, I don't expect Sancho to start, by the way. I think it won't be that different from Saturday. Saturday's probably Deleu at left-back because Tellez isn't quite ready. Just means it's going to be very, very narrow. Very narrow. And it's the easiest way for Villarreal to defend. Four, three sitting in front of them, try and try and do something on the break-off from set-pieces. God, it's set up for United to lose 1-0, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, set up for nil nil anyway, and that which is a pretty bad result for United. Um, so I, a really fact, a really bad result because if you want ten or twelve points, twelve points to guarantee ten to probably be enough. You know, because you want yep. you want that or two, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So I'd rather we lost than drew in this game. No, it's not actually true. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm going to predict, I'm going to predict a one nil win to United. Having said all that, we're going to, I don't think we're going to go three games in a row unbeaten. I mean, without a win, winless for three games in a row. I I just don't, I think there's just too much firepower. It's going to come off at some point. This is where XG comes into its own across multiple games. One of those, 7% 7% chances is good. The 100th 7% chance or no, it doesn't have to be the 100th, does it? <laughs> no, no, I mean, uh, statistically, the there should the be ele- more of the that. 11th, yes. the 11th 7% chance or whatever it is. <laughs> well, yeah, um, yeah, a few more than that, yeah. But I mean, you know, Ronaldo probably had that many shots, didn't he, against <laughs> Villa at the weekend. Uh, yeah, I've no idea. I just, I, d- I, don't, I don't know. I don't feel that confident. So maybe I'm going to predict a nil-nil. And then we've got Everton after Rafa, that. Rafa Benitez is tricky toffees. It's weird. So weird. I mean, I think we talked about this on the Patreon stuff more than uh, we have here, but Rafa Benitez being Everton manager is the, the strangest, most peculiarist thing. Um, a, a, uh, a fine result for them as they thumped... Uh, and the indefatigable Norwich City. Oh my God, no. I was talking at the beginning of the show about not drawing conclusions from the performances early in the season, but Norwich are getting relegated with three points <laughs> by the end of the season. Yeah, well, it looks like it, doesn't it? Yeah, and at 100 goals against or something. Uh, you I mean, they, they, they lost... They lost in the in the Carabao. They lost on penalties to QPR away from home. A pretty strong side as well. Yep. Like not not by any means um, uh, entirely second string side. I mean there were there were some second string players in them, but yeah. Anyway, um, against uh, against Everton, they they played the uh, against Norwich. Sorry, they played in a in a like a four four two. Um, with Iwobi on one side and Townsend in the other and Damari Gray behind Rondon, who's in yep. for various injured forwards. Yep. Um, I feel like Rondon is the kind of player that Harry Maguire should be just fine against. So we just should got to be. make sure... Calvert-Lewin... Oh, Maguire's not going to play. Maguire's probably not going to play. And it, yeah, because it didn't look good, did it? Uh, and Calvert-Lewin still injured... I believe so. We definitely didn't play against um, against Norwich. I mean, so you look at the Everton side and you look, he, he just looks deeply average. Obviously, Damari Gray's had a good start over his career. He's been pretty inconsistent. Rondon, like, it doesn't matter. Even Well, Victor Lindelof maybe doesn't like the kind of physical presence um, quite as much. Townsend and Iwobi, you know, they, they are so flaky, aren't they? The both of them. Um, it's going to be pretty prosaic in midfield. 
And that's just from United. But what about Everton? Well, well the thing is, yeah. I was just going to say, like, yeah, you just, uh, Everton, deeply average, you know, really, the squad doesn't look great. One four drawn, one lost one. You know who else has one four drawn, one lost one so far this season? Yeah, yeah, no, it, and it is interesting. Obviously, you know, in the least surprising news in football ever, uh, Rafa Benitez has finally got rid of the player who's obviously going to get rid of in James Rodriguez. He's gone off to uh, playing Qatar, I think. Um, to uh, I don't know, you know. Hey, play out the rest of his days. What, uh, weird what, career. what it could have been, yeah, such a weird career. Yeah, Colombia, Monaco, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Loan, Everton, yeah. Qatar. Yeah. Pretty tumult, tumble. The tumble off the cliff is substantial, isn't it? Um, it was a long way down, which it will be for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's next managerial appointment as well. Uh, just to be um, mean. Yeah, I mean, but Everton are currently have the same number of points as us, Man City, and Chelsea. Um, so you know, Benitez has started as well as they could possibly have hoped. And the game they got battered in, the the one they lost three 0 to Villa, they. Did fine and got battered for 10 minutes in one yeah. half. No, no, that's absolutely right. I saw a lot of that game. Yeah, they, they were okay. It was pretty close. Yeah. And then Villa just had more yeah. and took their chances. Yeah. Uh, listen, just pretty close. Villa just had more and took their chance. That could happen to, it happens to the best of us. <laughs> you know, this is not just yes, everything that, that happens to. Yes, um, indeed. Anyway, um, is this one at Old Trafford? I've forgotten. Is this yeah. the fourth of four at Old Trafford? Yes. Yeah. It is. Uh, and then I think it's one away at Leicester and then two more at Old Trafford as well. So at some point this season, we're going to have a, a long away run, I guess. That's fine. It's home. We, we have, we're almost <laughs> averaging half a point more at Old Trafford than away from uh, home. Away. Uh, less. Yeah. Half a point yeah. more away from home than at Old Trafford. Away form is title winning stuff, almost. It's the home form, which is... Uh, mm. Not. Not. Um, uh, yeah, I don't really know what to predict about this game. I, I suspect that, um, that you've got two teams which so far this season have relied on a lot of very good individual finishing. I mean, Mason Greenwood is a lot better than Damari Gray, but Damari Gray has scored a couple of absolutely fantastic, excuse me, absolutely fantastic finishes this season. And they've got players to come back. Uh, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin obviously improves almost every side um a very fine number nine indeed so yeah it's a long way off this game and there's a lot that's going to happen between now and then so it feels it feels kind of hard to predict um i'm going to predict a yeesh one nil win against villarreal this could be tepid i'll go with a one all draw against everson so i'm going nil nil against villa real which is you know not exactly a bold prediction since that has been like Six out of the seven last meetings with them or something. Yep. Uh, and a 2-0 win against Everton. Okay. Ollie's Great. tricky bed reds back on back on the yeah. Yeah, back on top. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, here here's hoping. Alright, thanks everyone for listening. Patreon backers, stay tuned. We're gonna talk about football from all around the country. Um everyone else will see you next week. Bye now.